I'm not going to the hospital. I'm just, I, I'll go to meetings, I'll talk to people, but I'll handle it myself. I'm not so sure of that. You're not so sure? Is that what you want, all of you? Are you sure? Can you fix my problem? Because I can do that. I can go to rehab. I can do two weeks in rehab, stand on my head. What you got to be ready for is a result of your little experiment when I get out, because you know what I think you're going to see? Clean, the cleanest I think you're going to see what you all need me to be sick. And the hands, the tears, and the in-between years, and the troubles I've seen. Yeah, because that way, yeah, that way you look a lot better. recommended it to my sponsor and to like a bunch of my friends and stuff because it's just amazing her book is so raw and honest yeah yeah it's like one of the be- better like of like one of my top like memoir like junkie memoir books i was like super surprised like because i was reading um what train spotting uh oh yeah for sure <laughs> like i don't know if anyone knows this but like i mean if you've seen the movie that's one thing but the way they write the book they speak like they they spell the words like how like their accent like sounds it out so it's really hard to read the book itself because the spelling is like spelled how you would like they kind of accent or pronounce it so it's really confusing but I kind of just gave up after a while um, yeah, no, I'm more about the movies when it comes to stuff like that because I like the visuals. So, like, I saw the yeah. first one and then I saw the second one too, which I thought was awesome because the director purposely made it so, like, purposely waited the 20 year period or so, like, for the actors and everything so that they would be legitimately aged instead of just like pretending. Yeah. And yeah, they could stick with like the original cast and everything. Um, yeah. It was based off of because the book was called like i think it was called porno or something and it's pretty much like like almost exactly similar to the book um but yeah i saw that too i actually my co-host who's in rehab right now that's how we kind of like started talking because we both met in jail (laughs) like (laughs) oh like over a year ago and um he was talking about train spotting and I was like, yeah, you know, there is a sequel coming out soon. And then that's how we kind of kicked off a conversation. And then when we both got released, coincidentally, we started, uh, the same drug program, like court ordered together. So, um, 
like that sequel always has like a weird like nostalgic memory for me but i thought it was good i mean they weren't going to be able to top the first one at like no matter how hard they tried but for what it was i thought it was good you know no yeah i liked it too i just i liked the way that they kind of commemorated everything instead like he came back clean you know instead of like 20 years later they're still screwing everything up yeah i mean like some of them were kind of struggling but he was like you know he helps out spud he fucking i mean spoiler alert but you know yeah (laughs) um no like i mean for like i don't think anyone would be in the same exact place in life in their like you know middle like midlife as they were in like their teens or early 20s even you know Um, Oh, I don't know. I've got a buddy right now who's been in and out of jail, like identically for the exact same thing every single time for the last 10 years. Drugs, just drug possession or? Yeah, drug possession. And I think he got one intent to distribute. And like, I hear from him when he leaves, like he'll get out of jail and he'll call me and he'll be like, yeah, I'm doing so good for like a month. And then I'll stop hearing from him. And then all of a sudden, a month after that, he'll call me from jail like, I fucked up again. And I'm just like, dude, come on. Oh, no. Yeah, that's all bad. I had an intent to distribute charge on my record at one time, but it was for weed because I'm in California and I was managing a medical dispensary, like a legal dispensary. So I was like, how are you going to fucking we're like have we're fully licensed? Like, how are you guys going to put this on me? But I was able to uh, get that, like, expunged basically retroactively after they passed, like, you know, recreational laws here. Because, I mean, all they found was, like, inventory for a dispensary. It's not like they found hard drugs or guns or anything. It was just medical marijuana at the time. So Yeah, here in Chicago, we have a dispensary. Like, I have a dispensary, I think, like, a mile or two down the street. And they get raided all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. So is in Chicago, is it recreational or medicinal only there? Medis- medicinal only, and you have to be practically dying to get it. Oh, really? It's that hard? Fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm diagnosed bipolar and borderline personality, uh-huh. and, like, the, my psychiatrist said that I could qualify for it, but it would be a hell of a fight, and it would be really expensive. It's almost $500, I think, to get a ticket for somebody like me. But Why then, do they make it such a pain in the ass over there right now? Because it just passed recently or? Yeah, it's only been medicinal for a little while. And this dispensary, I think, has only been up for like a year. Yeah, it's like, that's so strange how it's like state by state basis where each state, the they kind of are very different. Like dif- they differentiate with the laws surrounding that. It's like, because in California, when Prop 215 passed, there were doctors everywhere signing scripts and you could get it very easily like it was not it wasn't hard at all you know but um but now it's weird because here we have medicinal and recreational at the same time so some stores you need a medical card some stores you don't need anything you just walk in you know um but the recreational stores tax like they tax it way harder so you're you know if you're not paying for a medical card then you're paying extra in tax so it's just it just weird how like it is here right now and it goes and then like it goes uh most of the grower like our growing laws are very like between counties and some will you can only have six plants some you can have like up to a hundred plants so it's really fucking like weird here right now yeah it's kind of beta testing all these different like policies so um 
they barely know what the fuck they're doing. And you know, it's really like a crazy coincidence that you are calling me and you're from Chicago because like right after we started talking, my ex, one of, one of my ex-girlfriends who was in Chicago, like randomly hit me up and she finally got clean and is in a rehab right now. Um, I totally spaced on which one. And she had, yeah, she was telling me like how like three of her friends were had like, or three people she knew from the street had passed away, but it was like not from, you know, an overdose or anything. It was from freezing to death outside because it was like, like 50 below zero there. Yeah, it was really cold recently and it screwed my roof too because like all the freezing and melting and freezing and melting and then raining and then melting and all this other shit. My roof caved in on Wednesday. It caved in? (laughs) Yeah, it fell in. Like my whole living room just went crashing down. So it's like this weather's just ridiculous. And now last night there was like 50 mile an hour winds. Oh my God. Chicago weather has no idea what it's doing. No, it's trying to kill you is what it's trying to do. That's insanity. Like, yeah. I could only fucking imagine. Like, I would just, I would die just because I'm so spoiled from the weather. Like, I think it's cold here sometimes. And, like, it's nothing compared to, like, what you're dealing with right now. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are like, how do you live in a polar vortex? But then people who, people who like it up here are like, how do you live where there's hurricanes or where it's humid and all this oh, other stuff? What? And I'm like, damn, I'd rather live in a hurricane than a polar vortex. Oh, I mean, yeah, everyone, like, I'm sure they would trip out here because we have earthquakes supposedly, but you know. Supposedly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I would sleep through earthquakes. It, they're really not that big of a deal here. I mean, we would get earthquakes all the time when I was living in L.A. And that's funny because um, you you mentioning your roof caving in reminded me of when I was little. Like it when I was in um, it was like La Crescenta, which is like a part of L.A. County, and it rained so fucking hard in our house one time that the the roof got waterlogged and it it fucking gave way and fell right coincidentally on top of me because my was my bed was right under where it fell, and so. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter's bed was right under where oh, it fell, but no. it was it had started leaking a couple days beforehand. So we moved her bed over oh, a little good. bit. So if Jesus. it hadn't leaked a little bit beforehand, it would have caved in all over her bed. So we got oh, lucky with that. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I that's... would have been pissed. Oh <laughs> my god! I would have been so mad because my landlord hasn't even had roofers out here yet. He's had like three people come look at the hole. I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's yeah, so we're like contacting city and all this other shit it's a pain in the ass wow so like wait are you like even staying at the house right now or are you just like they move you somewhere until like you can get you think think they'd move us but no we're still here yeah like wow it probably gets insane like insanely cold at night like because you have a giant hole in your fucking ceiling well, you can't see the you can't see the sky, so it's just like a bunch of wet wood, and then oh. like no insulation. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Uh, yeah. Um. So, I like we just just met, so I know like just very little about you. Do you want to kind of like briefly go over kind of like where you are in your recovery, or maybe like how your past was? Maybe yeah. some war stories, what it's like, kind of like 
being on the streets of Chicago? Cause I could only imagine I've, I've heard stories from my ex, like, um, and I've seen like, she, there was like that, there's that one br- like underpass, like under that bridge where all the homeless people stay. And I know she was hanging out there and how rough it Lower is. Lower Wacker like, Drive. Yes. Lower Wacker Drive. That <laughs> place looks like the skid it's row of Chicago. Oh yeah. It is. It's scary as hell. That's not, it's like skid row where like all the homeless people live and stuff, but like the West side's pretty dangerous too. Like that's where we like would pick up everything. Yeah. It's like, like when you go to, when you go to cop, you were like having to dodge like muggers and fucking gun violence and insane weather. Like that's just a commitment yeah. right there. Like you really got to be like alert while you're going, you know, out and about. I could only fucking imagine. No, you do. Yeah. Me and my son's father, like we still to this day, like I'm nine years and almost three months clean, but nine like, years and three day, months total. Yeah. Oh, good for you. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. But I still carry four knives on me. Like there's one, knife, <laughs> <laughs> there's like one knife in my belt. Like there's one knife in my pocket and then there's one in my wallet and then there's one just in my purse. Oh, Wow. We stay armed. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a, like, because Chicago, even now, like, when you're driving down the highway, if you cut somebody off or whatever, like, people are shooting people on the highway just in road rage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, like, that shit happens in LA too. Like, people, like, wave their gun at you if you flip them off, if you, like, fuck with the wrong person. It's really insane. Yeah. But, I don't, like, I have really bad road rage. Like, I pulled a knife on a <laughs> messenger once because he <laughs> ran he ran right into the back of my car and I was having a oh, really bad day fuck. and he like tried to pull me out of my car so I just got no. out and like yeah and I just like whipped it out and was like not today fucker like get the fuck out of here <laughs> like, I just, awesome. <laughs> like one of those days where it's like okay I need to just go home I did that kind of a similar thing, but it wasn't a knife. It was one of those little like tiny bats that you get at baseball games. And <laughs> I was on the freeway in Los Angeles and this like old, this older white gentleman, kind of a dorky looking dude was in the diamond lane and he kept fucking brake checking me on purpose. And at like after the 12th time of doing that, cause we're in like there's traffic all around us. It's like, why are you brake checking me? Like, what the fuck? So I finally just like whipped it out. And I was like, you know what? And I fucking <laughs> just waved it out in front of him. And then finally he was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. And I was just like, dude, right. come on. Like, you're, it's like, dude, you, sometimes you just don't want to fuck with people you don't know because you never know. They might not be having their best day. And an unintended ass whooping, like, that was intended for someone else is going to be like inflicted on them, you know? Like, yeah, for sure. Know. That's Dude. why I have my meds and stuff now because my <laughs> rage, <laughs> like my rage and stuff, would get me in a lot of trouble. Um, so wait, uh, what do you uh, prescribe? Because it's for your borderline personality disorder. Yeah, I take lithium, Seroquel, and Klonopin on bad days. Oh, Seroquels! Yeah, I used to take those in jail, and they <laughs> fuck me up. That was like the number one most traded like medication in uh, yeah. LA County. It was like the currency of like all the pills. Um, yeah. My psychologist was like, Oh, I bet you like that. Like, <laughs> a bitch. I was like, you know what? I actually don't because 
it, the feeling of it when you start to go to sleep, like it isn't like a, Oh, cool. I'm nodding. It's like a, Holy shit. My entire body is restless. And if I don't go to sleep, I'm going to die. Yeah. It, I couldn't stay awake. I would, I would be out. And, and they also gave me the weirdest and most vivid dreams. So yeah, I, would, like, I had a dream the other night that I was walking around my high school reunion pregnant. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Neither of those things would be happening ever again. Right. They're the weirdest, like most random fucking dreams that I wouldn't normally like concoct on, like, like without the fucking, you know, being on this medication. But then we would have like first, like we'd have a head count three times a day. And the first one was like at like, four or five in the morning. So it's like, you know, you're like thinking you're in another fucking world and then you wake up and then you're like, oh, I'm in jail. And it's like way too early to be awake right now. And it would just, it would just I wouldn't so even pissed. be able to get up. Oh, uh, it was horrible. It was horrible. But, you know, I had I also took uh, in there. I took like Cyprexa or something and that yeah. knocked me out for like days. Like I would miss fucking lunch call and I would miss food. I wake up pissed off like it was insane. Like. I, cause they like, there's so many, like I was in LA County jail, which they call twin towers. Cause it's just like two giant towers, but there was so many fucking drugs in that jail. Like it was mm-hmm. fucking insane. I mean, all, obviously there's people trading like all these meds, they're beta testing on them, but there was also like just street drugs that got snuck in there all the time. And, uh, well, like, Cook County Jail now has uh, that Jesse Smollett guy from Empire and R. Kelly. So that shit's turning into High School Musical. I fucking heard about that. Didn't they just recently get a new conviction on R. Kelly? Yeah, like, they just arrested him. He's being charged on 10 counts of aggravated sexual assault. Fucking finally. I, we were, I was just talking right? about that the other day. Like, <laughs> it should have happened like 10 years ago. No shit, because that documentary came out about him. And it showed so he was belly. fucking shady as fuck. He was like a human trafficker or some shit. Yeah. Like, and I was like, how the fuck is he getting a pass on like not going to jail? Like, how the fuck is that happening? Like, because he had money and yeah. he was able to pay off politicians. Probably Chicago's crooked as hell. One time I remember, like, I've never, I've never been arrested. Thank God. Like, that's the one thing I was able to avoid. But the one time I almost got arrested, Uh they caught me in the alley before I could even get to dude. And I had my money still. So I was like, oh, look, I have my money. Like, I haven't picked up yet. And they're like, all right, we'll get the fuck out of here. And then I went around the corner and I picked up. And then I was I didn't want to go up to the train because I was at Pulaski and Lake and I didn't want to go up to the Pulaski stop. So I was trying to walk down to the next stop, which was conservatory. Uh And this same fucker stopped me and I had it on me, but I had to, like, put it up in my lady area so that they was two guys. So I knew they couldn't search me there. Yeah. So they like they literally like stripped me naked in the street. I was like down to my bra and underwear. Yeah. And they had all of my paraphernalia and everything, like, on the cop car, like, all my clothes on the ground and everything. And they were like, where is it? Where is it? And they're like, all right, well, we're going to call a female officer. And I was like, okay, go ahead. And then the one cop looks at me and he's like, well, you know, I can always just let this go for a blowjob. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, how do you think my attorney is going to think about that? And I dropped my attorney's name and my attorney is really well known up here. So Uh they were like, oh, shit. 
and they just literally drove off like they got in the car and drove off with all my shit on the hood so my shit was plastered all over lake street and i was in my bra and underwear in the fucking hood the only white girl for miles oh my god that's insane they are shady as fuck over there yeah that was like the most terrifying experience ever (laughs) That and one time somebody tried to rob us in an alley, but I just went to my dude and was like, hey, somebody's fucking around in the alley. So he pulls a gun out of his belt and goes over there and is like, quit fucking with my customers. Oh, nice. It's like your plug actually had your back. That's awesome. Yeah, they do. The good ones actually do have your back. So like if you if you do get robbed or like somebody's trying to fuck with you or like say beats your ass or whatever and they see it, you go tell them like they'll go and do something about it. Yeah, because that's their fucking, that's their, that's how they make money. They got to look out for their fucking customers. Like, that's awesome. My fucking last dealer fucking was like stealing little dumb shit in my room and then like denying (laughs) it like a fucking little, because he's like tweaker. He's like a tweaker too. So like, you know, like some tweakers are total kleptos and it's like, they don't, he like, I was like, dude, you're making money. You don't need to steal the shit. You can afford to buy it. But for some reason... They just like get off on like, like, bo- like boosting shit. Like he w- he even stole my beard trimmer that I like used to like trim my pubes with. I was like, all right, well, ha- <laughs> you, you really want that? Like, you do you know where that's been? Okay, oh, you know, man. go for it. But I was just like, wow, you know, like I don't know. Well, they think they can make more money because when you're in it, you know, it's never enough money. Oh, I know. Well, tweakers love to boost things and then sell it on like apps like OfferUp or LetGo or like those like, you know, those no, new. see those like, weren't around when I was fucking around. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Like, oh, my God. We, I, went to, we went to Walmart and would steal like baby formula or like like valuable things like that. And then we would go to the corner stores and be like, here, what can I get for this? And then they would trade it or like, that's crazy because my ex told me that's the exact same thing she did when she was in Chicago. And then she would steal like makeup and stuff and resell them. And like, like it was baby formula and like makeup, but mainly baby formula. And I was just like, that's so random to me. Yeah. Well, corner stores turn around and like you get it at, walmart or whatever for like 20 bucks or something like that i don't remember it's been a while since i bought baby formula uh-huh. but you get it for like 20 bucks but then you go to the corner store and it's like 25 or 30 so those dirty dudes are making more money off of tweakers anyway wow that's so crazy I sell, people, people would sell food stamps too like those corner stores and stuff buy people's food stamps all the time 75 for 100 oh the corner stores would yeah like we would um we would just like, I know people who would just trade them to dealers. Like it would be 50 cents on the dollar though. But, uh, we also had a hustle in LA where we would like boost like expensive little like parts at like home Depot and return it for uh, cr- like, you know, store credit. Um, yeah, we did and, that too. Yeah. We even had this dealer in, L- in LA and he would take st- uh, like steaks and stuff. So like I usually had money, so I never really had to do this. But then if I had like a middleman, my middleman stoner Steve at the time, he would be like, all right, I need you to like, he's like, I'll hook you up, but I need to go like steal some steaks to trade for dope first. So then I'd have to drive him to the grocery store and he'd be stealing steaks and then trading it, you know, like it was so bizarre, but I was like, whatever, dude, I need to get well right now. So that's what I'm going to do. 
That's hilarious. One of my buddies who passed away a couple of years ago, he was actually like at the spot, but um, he was trying to, he was trying to cop, but he like got shot. Oh, fuck. Like him and his, him and this girl he was with, like he, he hot, like this girl got hit in the shoulder because he hopped in front of her. Like, I don't know the whole story for sure, but all I know is that he ended up dying there. And he, uh, he hopped in front time, of a person to like catch the bullet for her or like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then she, well, she was found later at the train station with a balloon, like in her shoulder or her arm or something oh, like that. Fuck. So he saved her life. Oh my God. That's yeah. Like that's the thing about Chicago is the gun violence there is worse than pretty much anywhere else like in America right now. In yep, comparison. And, we have the strictest gun laws. and you have the strictest gun laws, which is like insane to me, you know? Yeah. Like, like me, I have my concealed carry license, um, in Texas cause I used to live in Texas a couple years ago. Okay. But, but here in Illinois, it wouldn't transfer over and I've really? been hospitalized. Yeah, it doesn't because Illinois like won't take it from anybody else. You have to redo everything. Oh, and what? I've been hospitalized in a mental hospital three times in the last four years or so. So they're like, nope, you can't have one here. But when I'm in Texas, they don't give a shit. Yeah, Texas. They're just like, sure, here you go. <laughs> and and I'm sure the gun violence is way, way less like, like popular in there because they know everyone's holding. So they're like more respectful yep. to everybody. But it's like, it's so crazy. But in Chicago, you're like, well... You either I would imagine you have either two like opinions regarding like guns where they're like, well, no one should have guns or if everyone's going to have a gun, I want a gun, too, because I want to protect myself, which I mean, personally, I would want I'd be the person that want a gun. Also, if everyone else is going to have a gun like and I'm the only one that hasn't, then I'm vulnerable to be fucking mugged, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's why I carry my knives and I feel safe and like I'll. I'm cool with everybody else, but if somebody else pulls a gun on me, I'm like, oh, no, you can just have whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sure you've had a gun pulled on you, like, multiple times. We could, like, just, when like, I was fucking around, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when you're, like, going out to cop, you're, you sometimes, you know, put yourself in riskier situations than when you're sober and you're like, I'd rather just, you know, play it safe. Like, I know that, like... um, you know, heroin and opiates in general, they literally shuts off the the part of your brain that will weigh like repercussions and consequences. So you take bigger risks without really any regard for, um, you know, the possible like, you know, danger that you may put yourself in front of, you know? And yeah, I stepped in front of a car because I was sick and I was trying to walk from Union Station to the Clinton um, Green Line. And I walked oh. like dead in front of a car. They had to stop like seconds before they hit me. And it didn't oh even God. register that I was crossing the street. I was just so focused on going to get it that I was like, fuck it. I'm going. Right. Yeah. When I was sick, like I had one agenda on my mind and that was not, it was getting well. Cause I knew there was only one way to do that. Or I'm going to feel like shit for a very long time, you know? Yeah. And that's just like, it was just fucked about, um, like, but no, my son, my son's father and I would travel around too. Like we hop trains and shit. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, we would make sure that we were stocked up first, and then we would yeah. hop on like freight trains, and we made it to Portland once to Union Square. Nice. And uh, we like we were just messing around there for a little while, and then we hopped on a train and like passed out. 
Oh, uh-huh, really? Juarez, Mexico. No way, because you fell asleep on the train? Yeah, we oh were like, we got so high God. that we ended up in Juarez and we couldn't get back because we didn't have IDs. And they like Holy they thought shit. that we were there to get drugs and stuff, so they tried to hold us. Oh, and we no. ended up, yeah, we ended up like walking around and we found this group of people that were gonna jump the border over this like designate or this like like deserted area where the fence was. Uh-huh. So me and him actually ended up jumping the border back into the country. <laughs> How hard is it to jump the border back into the country? Really fucking hard because they have a lot of barbed wire on the top and it's a very tall fence. So <laughs> like we were, we weren't sick, but we were like getting there. Yeah. Cause they had confiscated all of our shit when they found us. Oh no. So we like, we had to like hop the fucking like 50 foot fence with like this huge barbed wire over it. We had to throw like a blanket over it because we were it was with a bunch of Mexicans so they were all yeah. ready to do it oh, so yeah. we were just hopping over and like we got cut up and stuff but like then we ended up finding a place in like Arizona and got well and then just hopped on a train back I think we made it through to like the tip of Texas and then um holy fuck his his dad got us bus tickets back to Chicago oh nice <laughs> So, yeah, but we see, were like, all right, that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, well, hopping trains is a is a really like fine like process. Like it's a fine, I don't know. It's it's like a there's a whole like 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 way you have to go about hopping trains. But I mean, I know a lot. I knew a lot of people that did it. I personally never did it. My ex uh, Lindsay was from Ohio and she did it all the time. And it's like a whole kind of counterculture and you had, there's this whole way of going about it, but you can travel all over the fucking country. And, uh, if you know like where you're going, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun, but it also sounds like you really need to know like what you're doing. Cause if you, first of all, if you get caught, you can get a lot of trouble. And I've heard that if you have a, like a dog or something, like they, they, some of them might like security might shoot your dog or, or what they will, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's they, or crazy. they'll beat the shit out of you. Like they might not even call really? the cops. They'll just beat the shit out of you with billy clubs and stuff, like to the point where you're just laying there bloody. Holy and shit. And then they yell at you, like, don't do that again. Don't fucking get on my train again. And then they just leave you. Yeah. Cause you could be in the middle of nowhere and that you're just left to the elements. You know, they could do whatever the fuck they want, you know? Yeah. Pretty much. Cause yeah, that's exactly it. Like they don't have to call the authorities. They should. That's like the right protocol. But if they're like sick of like vagabond vagabonds or vagabonds, <laughs> however you it, yeah, like they're just gonna beat the shit out of you. That never happened to me though, thank God. Oh yeah, happened to my son's father though. Like him and his buddy got beat up. His buddy actually died because he got on a suicide car, which is one where like the bottom crisscrosses. There's no thick like platform. It's oh, just like oh yeah. Nothing. Yeah, and, and you he can, was trying to balance on it, and he fell through. He fell through, huh? Yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah, that sounds crazy. I I've heard of people, yeah, hopping on suicide cars, and like it's really hard to like fucking. You can't like have any chill time. You always have to like keep your balance. Yeah, and it's cold. Like no matter what weather it is, like it's always cold because the trains are going so fast, and that wind is whipping right through the box car. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. It's always cold. And I guess if they still have like, there's some trains that are like, uh, coal, like they have coal engines and shit. And then you just get all this smoke and shit right in your face and like, can't breathe or something like, 
Isn't that, I've, I'm pretty sure they, like, in some, or in very rare cases, like, coal-powered engine trains are fucking, like, just not the ones you want to jump on. I mean, this is yeah. all of what I've heard, but because I've never really done it myself. I've, like, I've always I just... I preferred hitchhiking. <laughs> really? Is that, like, like yeah, more I mean, success? It's, it's, yeah, and it's somewhat less dangerous like yeah you're getting a car with a stranger and stuff but like you yourself you know you're armed and you're yeah. never usually by yourself like when i was doing all of this crap i always had my son's father with me like i never was by myself yeah and you watch um, each other's back you know and it's like yeah. most people if they're gonna pick you up they're you like i'd say 80 85 they'd probably chill and they're not really like especially if you like, if you have your if you have your like baby daddy there, are you still, are you guys separated together or? Oh no, we're not together anymore. Okay. So yeah, it's like, yeah. And at the time he was just my boyfriend. We didn't have our son. Uh-huh. How, uh, can I ask how old you are? Right now I'm 29, but at the time oh. I'm talking about, I was 18 and 19. Oh, trip out. So, and you, so you got clean when you were 20. Yeah. Oh, good for you. That's awesome. I'm fucking 35 and just now getting my shit together. So, you know, props to well, you. Well, I had a like, baby. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like, um, that is a good, like, motivator, you know? Like, I'm sh- like, if I had um, any, like, children, I'm, I know, like, I wouldn't want to be that, like, piece of shit deadbeat dad. You know, I knew something would, like, have to would kick in and force me to like, be like, all right, I'm going to get whatever fucking job I can and like make money to put food in this kid's mouth, you know, like, yeah, and that's I'm, what, you know, that's what he did. Like he got a job and everything, but then he was still fucking around and he ended up his stupid ass. He ended up, um, not wanting to pay for the L one day. So he tried oh. to spider man it over like like it was over western in milwaukee so it was like uh-huh. 40 feet off the ground oh my and god he tried he tried to spider-man the side of it so he could like hop on the platform and he slipped and he fell oh and he god. landed on his feet and his ass so he shattered oh. a whole half of his body oh my god yeah how many bones did he break like holy every shit. one of them oh <laughs> he my god like, his lower back, his hips, his like his what? femurs, his knees, his shins, his feet, his toes, everything. Oh, that's the worst way to land if you fall that far is right on your feet yeah. like that. Yeah, so he ended up spending um, September, October, like three months in the hospital recovering. And then he went home and did like a year of uh, like PT and OT and stuff like that, like uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, stuff like that. And to this day, like just recently, like within the last month, the pins that were in his right foot were starting to protrude out of the skin. So he oh just, oh my those, God. Yeah. He just had those removed and Jesus. he's, he's going to be 32 in a couple of months and he like is completely useless. Like he can't work. He can't do anything. Yeah, I could only imagine, like, yeah, that's, like, the, like, heavy, heavy lifelong injury right there. He's going to be feeling that forever, you know? Yep. For one mistake, yeah. All because he didn't want to pay $2 to ride the train. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That's horrible. He wanted to save the $2 for dope. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure he thinks about that every day, like when he's like feeling all that pain in his legs and his hips, and like, dude, I can only imagine. It didn't stop him, though. He still got high for a little while after that on dope. And then for like years, a couple of years after that. And then one of our close friends, he actually went to go pick up with. And this guy I've known, I had known since I was eight. And oh. he he overdosed and died. And that's kind of what like kicked him into like, OK, I'm not going to do dope anymore. Yeah. And, um, and then yeah. he just kind of like went to his uh like drinking like now he drinks really bad and he's got heart problems and stuff and it's all like the root cause is all from drugs and drinking yeah yeah alcohol. and he's only 32 oh my god yeah i have a friend my age and he literally is like he would drink a fucking handle every day to the and now it's the point where he's like the, even the doctor says your liver is like shutting down and your kidneys are going like if he drinks anymore, he just gonna fucking die. And um, that's how my dad died. Son. Really? Yeah, my dad died of cirrhosis, but he was forty nine. Of the liver and kidneys, or just the liver? The liver, and then it shot to the kidneys like real yeah, quick. Like right. we saw him St. Patrick's Day, and he was perfectly fine, like walking around, talking, like in the hospital, but like perfectly fine. And then that Tuesday, it was the 22nd, he, I got a phone call from the hospital saying like, hey, if there's any family that wants to come say goodbye, like now's the time. Jesus. So it, it like took him really quick. Yeah, it's really sad, you know, like, I mean, I never really had an addiction towards alcohol, but the people I have seen that have had alcohol problems, it's really, it looks brutal as fuck because like alcohol withdrawal can actually kill you the withdrawal alone you know and yeah it's um, the most dangerous yeah i'd be working at a like a liquor store and stuff and like we would like i guess the law here is they we have to close we have to lock up the alcohol um at like 2 a.m i think it is and then we can't unlock it until 6 a.m so you know people would come right at 6 a.m and buy like you know alcohol and they'd be shaking you know as they're handing me like their money and stuff and it was just looked awful like i mean heroin withdrawal was bad enough but to at the same like to have alcohol withdrawal too or even like benzo withdrawal because that can kill you also i would see people like seize up in jail who are going through benzo withdrawals and it just looked brutal as fuck like yeah I always had like, cause the thing is I hated withdrawal. So I would always try to invest into like a, some kind of safety net where if I had a couple subs or a couple methadones and then like, you know, some Kratom and some weed just so I could be like, okay, well I can like, you know, do a quick wean if I had to. And I'd done that like dozens and dozens of times. See, Kratom didn't exist when we were going. I'm sure it existed, but like it wasn't a big thing when I was going through all of this either. And I never wanted to take subs or methadone because I always saw it as like substituting one for the other. Exactly. So when I I finally did get clean, like I never took subs. I never took methadone. I cold turkey that shit. I laid in my mom's bed for seven days throwing up black and yellow shit. Like she she would sit at the edge of the bed and cry, like thinking that I was about to die. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why my rule was, yeah, my rule was always like, if I'm going to take methadone or subs, I would only take it for maybe three or two to four days tops. I would never go more than four days because I knew the half-life is so much longer and the withdrawals are going to be worse if I take it for too long. So if I took, 
like maybe uh, I would have like maybe two like eight milligram strip like suboxone strips, and I would maybe t- one day I'd take a, a full strip, and then the next day a half, and then a quarter, and I'd like, taper immediately, and then after that I wouldn't have any withdrawal off of it. It was like I had perfected this super good ween. And then the thing about Kratom. It's smart. Yeah. I love Kratom. I love Kratom. I started taking Kratom like a couple of years ago. And um, like she, the uh, red bentaganji was my shit. Like that made me feel so. Oh, the red vein? Yeah. Like that shit made me feel so level and so happy and so fine. Like I actually went in the, um, the band scare in 2016, me and her actually flew to DC and protested in front of the white oh, house. Nice. To keep that shit clean. Yeah. You're probably on and that like, documentary that just came out with, uh, Chris Bell. Are. You are, are no shit. Yeah. That's um, awesome. You, you can barely see us. Cause it like moves through the, the, the crowd. Yeah, like the interview, but like when he's standing in the street and he's talking into like the megaphone and shit, like we're in that crowd, like right there. The camera no just shit. Like, we're like just right in the corner. <laughs> I almost got on that documentary because I had gotten a um I was on like on probation and drug court at the time and I was taking Kratom because it helped me um with uh, cravings the most I would take this white veined like white tie or like I like the white vein because it kind of gave me energy I like the energetic like properties of it but uh See, I hate uppers. what's that I hate uppers I'm not an upper person <laughs> well opiates were like an upper to me you know like if I would do like tar I wouldn't like be super hyper it was really See, weird See, we had China White here, and um, we never had tar. Like, we had tar when we were in Portland, but we never had, like, over here we had China White. Yeah, you guys have more powdered dope, right? Yeah, and the yellow, the better. But Really? um, Oh, yeah, for sure. If, if, like, you cook it up and it's piss yellow, you've got some good shit. If you cook it up and it looks like water, you probably got scammed. You got scammed, yeah. Like, it's very hard to find powdered dope over here, but in L.A. we had this stuff. It was supposedly China white. They called it the magic, but I, you can tell like, I mean, it's strong, but you can tell it's a fentanyl high. It's more of a fentanyl high. Like, cause it cooks up purple. Fentanyl cooks up purple. Um, I got fentanyl one time and it cooked up like a lilac and I was like, what the fuck is this? Was it like cartel fentanyl? Like, like synthesized probably. I see the, the stuff here, it would cook up like, like yellowish, I guess, but it, uh, it fucking, I could just tell like a heroin high from a fentanyl high. It's similar, but it's also, if you're like, you know, any, anyone who's like done enough fucking drugs can tell like the difference. And I just didn't like it. And plus I would fall out super hard on it. Like I'm surprised yeah. that shit did not kill me. Um, but See, yeah. the purple shit that I had was nothing. Like I felt like I did it and I was just like mad because I thought <laughs> Oh man, we had this fake uh, black tar that would come around here and it was called pigeon's blood because when you cooked it it was like red and when you do it you just felt nothing and i was like what did i just put in my fucking body and i'm still sick i'm pissed off now (laughs) it was horrible yeah Yeah, it was just shit but um like powdered yeah it seems like east coast and midwest like there's way more powder dope i had actually had my ex mail me some dope from like Chicago and then from Indiana and I tried it and it was fucking strong as fuck. Like I was really surprised. Um, but it's crazy because like 
fentanyl is just now recently coming to California. Like just pure powdered fentanyl is like coming like, and it's not even like laced in anything. It's just like dealers are having it. And it's, uh, there was this one sober living house that my friend works at. And, um, at one point, literally every single person had tested dirty for fentanyl. I guess they were just smoking it or something. So I was like, this is a good time to get fucking my shit together, get clean. And, uh, because like, like at the very average, like we usually like I've lost like three friends or three people I've known like per every year, three people overdose and die. And it's usually around the holidays. Like once yeah. you know, the holidays hit, every, like people just start dropping. So I have a very bad feeling that people are going to like there's going to be just m- way more overdoses, you know, um, at, at least Narcan is like easier to get a hold of here now like if you have medical and you take like a narcan training class you can get it for free you can get like two here. doses is it really it's free yeah it's free here no matter what i carry at least two on me all the time mm-hmm. and i give them to my friends that are still using um when i'm down when i'm downtown and stuff like because my mom just got real sick so i was in the city for a while and yeah. uh that's I'll good. hand them to like the people on the street. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I like beyond. I always tell them, like, be honest with me and you'll be more likely to get something from me. Exactly. And so, like, when I can get them to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm hustling for drugs or blah, 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 I'll be like, okay, here. Like, I'm not, I'm still not going to give you cash, but no. like, here's some Narcan, you know, exactly. or like, here's a sandwich or something. Like, I'll buy you sandwich, chips, and a drink, but like, I don't ever give cash. No, no, because obviously they're going to use it for dope. It was funny because um, I was also taking Kratom because, like, I was dating my my girlfriend from Ohio. She would use, like, in front of me, be high around me, and I was, like, getting drug tested, like, five, six times a month. So I was, like, oh, super triggered. So I would take Kratom because it literally made my cravings, like, dissolve, you know, and it just helped me yeah. not relapse. So that's why I was, like, a super big advocate for Kratom, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, she would try and make up bullshit stories like, Oh, I need to get this and this from the store. So I, I need money. And I'd be like, all right, well I'll take you to the store and I'll buy those things that you just said you need. And I'll and that's pay the for most frustrating thing for an addict to hear. I know you could just see the frustration in her face. She would get so mad because I was catching in her bullshit excuse. And she would just be like, well, never mind. And I'd be like, I was like, dude, you cannot bullshit a bullshitter. I was a fucking, I was a fucking junkie too. I know that hustle. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not that dumb. Um, right. Yeah. It was just fucking crazy. Yeah. It's just, it's just sad. Like, Um, when you know people and they're just like, you hear from your, you know, you know, other people like, yeah, they're not doing well at all. Like, and I just have these bad feelings about certain people, like, like how they haven't died already is like a miracle in itself. And they're still fucking around, you know, she fucking was like dating her prison girlfriend when they got out of jail or prison or whatever. And then she walks home or she, yeah, she comes to her in the bedroom and sees her fucking prison girlfriend dead, just totally dead on the ground. Now she's dating this new guy and she almost like they both fell out and she woke up and he was blue in the face, almost died. Like I, I had to get Narcan when I was like hanging out with her. (laughs) Like, it's just like people are dropping left and right. So it was just, um, I was like, it's a good time to fucking get get out of the game because I just know like 
I, I sometimes I like just don't even know how I survived. Like I was just like such a miracle in itself that I'm still here today. So I was like, I definitely it's getting to the point where it's like if I keep rolling the dice, if I did keep rolling the dice, I would just my chances of not making it back were just going to keep like, you know, being increased until I probably wouldn't have like survived, you know. So, yeah. and I mean, I used to like do a shot and then immediately hold like Narcan up to my nose just in case. Cause sometimes it would be like very questionably close to like being too much. I mean, I don't know if I could have like hit myself with a nasal spray Narcan in time, but I was like at least trying, but, um, cause that's I what I always they, made sure to do it when I was around people. Like, yeah, that's we, the safer thing. We have the thing. nasal spray too, but I always made sure that I was like around people or at least in a public place. That way, like if I fell out in the bathroom or something, yeah. they'd be able to find me. But one time, oh my God, one time I was with two of my friends. Um, we were up in Waukegan where they sold it in rock form. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like brown or like tan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, um, like they both fell out. But, like, oh, the dude the dude was, like, a little bit more together. The chick just fell out, like, flat out on the floor. Like, she was done. I was, like, punching her in the face. I was, God. like, grabbing her tits. Like, I was trying everything <laughs> to break her ass up. And she was just done. So I oh, finally, man. like, hit the dude in the face and was like, dude, come on. Like, she's going to fucking die. So, like, I carried her out. And it was the winter time. And, like, uh-huh. as I was carrying her, like, she was too heavy for me. So, like, my arms were slipping up and, like, her shirt was slipping up and, like, her tits fell out in the parking lot and everything. Oh my and God. I finally just, like, dropped her on the cold pavement because she was too heavy for me. And that's the only thing that brought her back. She, really? like, woke up. Yeah, she woke up and was like, what the hell? Where's my shit? And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> giving you shit. And she's, like, fighting me for her drugs. And I'm just like, no, no, you idiot. Like, you just almost died. And then fast forward like three years later she actually did overdose she her and a buddy were getting high in her bedroom and she fell out and he left her like he didn't do anything he just left her he walked over her body and walked down her stairs locked her front door and left and let her die and let her die and then like a day or two later her grandma and the neighbor kicked the door in and found her no that's so fucked up and that shit like hurt my heart so bad because I yeah. got her high for the first time ever. So I felt like <sighs> really responsible like for introducing her to that and then that being like the way that she died. Yeah. Like I know, I, that's I know one that of those feeling. things that I'll like never forgive myself for. Yeah. It's like but I mean when like I mean honestly like you at the time didn't know like how fucking crazy like this drug is. And right. Now, in hindsight, I was just looking for somebody to come with me to get it so I could get more. Yeah. Like, I mean, now, like, I mean, if you had known that that would happen, I'm sure you would have think differently. But, you know, they if have I this now then like if I knew what I knew now, then. Holy yeah, shit. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, I started with just popping fucking Vicodins and then um, I, you know, once Oxy's hit. No one knew what the fuck they were. They didn't call it hillbilly heroin at the time. They just, it was a brand new thing. It, and when I snorted like my first Oxy, it just felt like I had taken a handful of Vicodin. So I was like, oh, cool. You know, this is like better bang for my buck. And it was so cheap back then, you know, like they were everywhere. 
So, and I was just like this little pill popper. It took me a long time to switch over to the needle because I had a big fear of needles. But then once I did like, like learn how to successfully register a vein, it, it got way crazy. Like, you know, see, I went straight to the vein. I was told if you're going to do it, do it right. <laughs> so I yeah. it from day one to the last, like I never snorted it, never smoked it, never tried it like oh, any other way. I had such a fucking complex. Like I thought I was like, so like much higher class. Cause I fucking only did oxys, but you know, like th- then after I switched, I was like, dude, that was so stupid. I mean, this is way better. Um, yeah. but I mean, I mean, well not better, it's worse, but you know, you know what I mean? But I um, fell in love. Like the first time I did it, I was sitting on my living room floor and it was just like the greatest feeling I'd ever had in my life. So I wanted so to crazy. stay there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it was crazy. Cause like, um, it's crazy how some people are just wired to be predisposed for, for like addiction to certain like substances. Like, you know, some people can drink alcohol and they're like, eh, I'll take it or leave it. And some people do it and they have this like revolution in their brain where like, I want to feel like this all the time. And opiates was that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah. Like I've done Coke, I've done meth, like I've fucked around with a bunch of different things, but like everything else was like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. I'll do it every now and then. But like once I did dope, it was like, nope, this is it. This is the love of my life. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. And then I started like finding out like I could do speed balls and goofballs. And then I started getting way into that. And that was like even worse because that shit's horrible for your veins, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, uh, and like, then that's a whole nother world. Cause then if you're up for days after day three of being up, like shit gets really weird. Like, you know, um, you could hear voices or the people see shadow people or, or you, you just fucking, you get, your body's not designed to be up that long. You know, I'd get blisters on my yeah. feet. Like I'd be just like running around doing all this crazy shit. It was all bad. Um, but, oh yeah. So, you know, they have this app now it's called, uh, it's like the overdose warning app where if you're going to be doing dope, you like sign in and you like push a timer, right? And uh, then you do your shot. And if you don't sign back in and let the app know you're okay, it automatically sends out a distress signal to paramedics. And they go to your house and they can hit you with Narcan. Have you seen that? Oh, wow. No, I haven't heard of that. That's crazy. Yeah. I just Because I got this new iPhone and I have like all this Mac storage on it. So I kind of went app crazy and I have this NA app to find meetings. And then I found like all these crazy apps to review. And that was one of them. And I was like, well, if you're going to use by yourself, at least there's an app that can make sure that you don't fall out and die. And if you don't like log back in and like check in and show that you're okay, it will literally send out an automatic distress signal to 911. Um, so that you can have someone come like paramedic come and hit you with Narcan, which I think is fucking awesome. Because that is pretty cool. It's like, I know, wish that would have been around back in the day. Exactly. Like, because the thing is like, you know, when Narcan was first becoming more popularized, uh, some politicians in certain States were kind of like being shitty about it. Like they thought, Oh, that enables uh, addicts to do more drugs. And I'm like, no, it really doesn't. It, it they're going to do the drugs whether they have the Narcan or not, trust me. Like, right. like it's so crazy. And, um, 
and you know what even blows my mind more is what they're doing in like countries like Switzerland right now where have you heard about like their policies over there? No. Okay. So they had a huge, huge opiate crisis. They had their overdose rates were sky high there. They had a like huge HIV, like, um, like disease rates and crime was up. And uh, they basically combat, like they just made heroin legal. So if you were an addict, you could sign up, you know, through your insurance or whatever, like, you know, government assisted insurance they have, you know, and show you're an addict. And they'll give, instead of like going to a methadone clinic or something, they give you a government issued shot of heroin like every day. They wean them off, but they also give get them in social services, find them housing, and they find them like a job. And in response to that, their um, you know their addiction rates are plummeting. Their HIV rates have dropped down like fifty percent. Their crime rates are down because it's like first of all, they you know addicts aren't going to have to steal or rob to get money to get their fix, and you know. They're not buying off of, you know, cartels or dealers if they can get it through the government. And so, you know, crime between like, you know, gang rivals uh, for fighting over corners and stuff are, are decreasing. It just like was the fastest way to like just like put like because I mean, I think this drug war that's going on right now, all that I've noticed is drugs are mo- are making cartels more money. Cartels are getting more powerful. They're like billionaires. Uh, I mean, drugs are more potent. They're cheaper than ever before. And the violence is just like higher than it's ever been. Our, our overdose rates keep increasing. And that's all like the, like the, Ill- the illegality or the illegalization of drugs in general is kind of what's driving this like monopoly to be handed over to cartels who can, are, they're not going to have an age limit or restriction. They'll sell it to anybody for the most part. They don't really have any kind of rules or regulations of who they're going to deal to. I mean, it may vary here and there. And they're cutting off heads in fucking Mexico. Like, dude, it's fucking insane right now. Um, in Chicago, we were served by kids. Like, the yeah. gym sh- they were oh, called yeah. gym shoe boys because they would like, walk the corners and shit like that. And like one time I was served by like, I swear, I shit you not, this kid was like nine years old. Yeah. And I'm just like, um... And they do that because the cops are less likely to search them than uh, like yeah, someone else. Yeah, for sure. Else. Yeah. But my son, my son is nine years old now. And I'm just like, oh... <laughs> like, I think back and I'm just like, oh my yeah. God. I, like, how that's insane. I'd be worried too if he's growing up in a world where all that shit is going down, you know? Like, yeah, like him and I lived on the West side for a little while when he was a baby. Cause that's where I went to rehab and like the halfway house and stuff. So I was like the only white girl for miles with a little baby, a little white baby. And so, yeah, when poverty like, and the economy is doing so shit, people are going to like find ways to make money. And, and a lot of people turn to selling drugs cause it's a quick, easy way to fucking get out of poverty, you know, especially if they're fucking going hungry and shit. And then that's just like incentivizing, like, because the thing is our government's really only going after attacking the supply side of this whole drug war. They're not doing anything to try and do proactive things to decrease the demand for drugs. And as long as there's a fucking demand, there's going to be someone to provide them with a supply because that's, that's incentivization for profits, you know? And if you have a criminal record or if you have a felony on your record, it's so hard to find a job, 
you know? Well, yeah. And like out here, the Chicago cops pretty much like confiscate it from one dealer and sell it back to another. Exactly. Like if the gangs, like the gangs that I was buying off of were the breeds and they like, they They paid off cops, right? Yeah. They paid off all the cops over there. That's why when my guy heard about what those cops did to me, he like had to go back through like three other people and be like, hey, this happened to my girl and blah, blah, blah. Like, what the hell is happening? And so, like, it was a whole chain of events after mm-hmm. that. It's all these politics. But I never got fucked with after that. And I always made sure to keep extra money on me. Like, if I was going to go get a dub or something or, like, yeah. a saw buck, I was going to go. If I had $10, I had 20 just in case. Like, if I had <laughs> 20 I had 30 just in case. That way, Fuck. like, I always had something to show for it. Like, look, I haven't picked up yet. Yeah, like just to be like prepared. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, like, it sucked because the cops are scary. But that now for me, like even nine, ten years later, like if the cop, if I'm anywhere near any police, like I am on instant guard. Like I yeah. do not trust this whatsoever. Like we had to call the cops because this crazy bitch got mad at me and came to my house and tried stabbing my door with a screwdriver. Oh, my God. And like we had to deal with the police and I'm over here like on defense and I wasn't, I was like the quote unquote victim at the time. And I'm still like on super defense and like not trusting anybody. No, they are like most people I know would, would they like calling the police would be the, the last thing on their mind because of how they've been treated by cops, you know? And, um, I mean, to serve and protect is like the last thing they think in their mind when they think, if they're, especially if there's a cop behind them, they're not thinking, oh, cool, there's a cop here. They're thinking, fuck, dude, he's going to harass me or fuck with me or, you know, or do whatever. Because that's, I've really, in the majority of situations where I've had interactions with police, they were not positive interactions. I got fucked with or, you know, like I've, I've, I know that. I've known and I've seen cops do some shady ass shit. I mean, I'm not going to generalize and say all of them are bad. I mean, that's, you can't say that about like any group of people, but for, you know, for a lot of shit. I mean, and especially when you have private, like the privatized industrial complexes that are not like operated by our government, they're basically a corporation. That's like any other corporation, but like owned just by anybody. And they're not obligated to like, act under any kind of morality they're incentivized to make more profits every year and the way they do that is by locking people up so now we have lobbyists that are like you know trying to get politicians to pass more policies that are stricter laws to get make it easier for people to get locked up so it's just this whole like rotating cycle of like exploiting addicts for fucking profits off their end and not helping addiction get treated or or like at at, at, like for very like little, you know, especially when you have a criminal record, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Like my buddy, I was telling you, who's been going back and forth for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. He like, he called me the other day from like, he was getting out of prison and they were going to arrest him at the gates again for another charge that he didn't know he had. But he found out on the inside before he got out that he had that charge. So he just had him like, hey, can you transfer me to the county so that I can take care of it there without having to arrest me at the gates? Yeah. So now so now he's up at the county fighting that and they are offering him two years probation and like drug court and stuff. And they offer this to him every single time and every single time he failed and they know he's going to fail because it's the same fucking county every time. 
So I told him, I'm like, dude, no, ask him for the prison time. Don't take the probation. Ask him if you can do the prison time. Do it on your head. Get out clean without any papers. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll ask. And then he had court and they won't even let him do that. They straight up said, no, you have to do the probation and drug court. I'm like, why? Like when they make 36 grand a year per body in prison, they won't even take him because they know they're going to be paying this, this asshole to drug test him and like a babysit him and all for all of a month or two. And then he's just going to be right back in County, yep. right back in prison. Yeah, and they it's know. Gonna be the same shit. So it's like, why not just give him the prison time? Like, and it's crazy because the dropout and the failure rates for drug court are astronomically high. Like most people, I, cause I was in drug court and I don't even know how the fuck I graduated. I barely graduated, but uh, like the majority of people couldn't like make it through that program because it is so strict. And if you do one little thing here, you're late for group or any little thing, they'll give you a sanction. You'll do a weekend in jail or you'll do four days in jail. They have this whole matrix of how much jail time they give you for like any little like violation of the program. And then if you go to jail and you have a job and then you lose your job, then you're just back to square one. And it's like, it's just like, they pick on addicts so much who are already trying to like, who are already using because their life is unmanageable. But then you have, they, they like weighed them down with all these groups and all these like requirements and testing and all this. It's like most people I started drug court with, uh, they got kicked out and had to max out and do their original sentence anyway, you know? So, yeah. And, and then was, they tack on time for screwing up the probation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. As a violation, you know, and you know, what's crazy is they actually found out because everyone was taking Kratom at the time we were in drug court. And once our drug counselors found out we were taking Kratom, they spent money that they didn't even have on these Kratom tests, like these drug, these urine tests for Kratom, which are super expensive. They're like $125 for one test. And they popped me for a dirty Kratom test. And I ended up doing seven days in jail, a sanction. And then I had to fast track to the beginning of the program for Kratom. It was insane. Yeah. That's why we rallied in Washington because we felt it was so stupid for shit like that to be happening when it's just literally a leaf. Like it's just, it's not, it's like the caffeine family, you know, it's like coffee. It's It's in the same family or species of uh, plants as the coffee plant. And the funny thing is, is um, it, it triggers your brain's opioid receptors, but it's not an opiate. It, I think the difference is um, it doesn't fully attach to your opioid receptor. It kind of binds or floats around the receptor. So, like, if like I personally never really had a serious, crazy withdrawal from stopping kratom. That I mean, at least I can say for myself, I've never gotten dope sick from not taking kratom. You know? Yeah, my. But- oh no. When she like she owns that business, she's on a break right now, and she's like telling all of her people she's got like a two thousand people in her group or whatever, and she's like, yeah, you know, I just feel a little bit low. I don't feel like as happy as I usually do, but I don't feel any withdrawals and stuff like that. Like, how can you do something to something that doesn't have withdrawals? 
Well, yeah, like, it's harm reduction. Care. Like, I mean, I honestly would rather have people, you know, smoking weed or taking Kratom than fucking go into a needle. You know, like it's it's definitely the it's the safer alternative. I mean, and the I mean, it's it's kind of crazy because some people get kind of preachy and judgmental at NA, and I get it if they. I mean, some people take Kratom and they have a different effect. Like it, it affects them differently. I get it, but like. The thing is, is like Kratom has been around for hundreds, if not all, like it's been around for so long. It used to grow right next to the opium poppy fields. And uh, I think it was in Thailand or, or Bali or something. Um, they actually, Thailand. it was Thailand. They made it, they it made Kratom illegal only because it was cutting into their opium, like trade profits, you know, because people were using it to get off of opium back in the day. Um so it's like it's been used for a long fucking time to help like people get off those heavy drugs and help them. I mean, I mean, I think it personally doesn't help with physical withdrawal as much as other things, but it also isn't as dangerous as other alternatives like methadone or suboxone. I've done methadone. I've done methadone four times. I did the maintenance program twice and I've done the 21 day detox twice. And, uh, that shit is rough on your body, especially if you do 21 day detox because you drop fast and you feel like shit for longer. Like, cause the half-life is like three times longer. So it's like, you'll feel like, like just totally out of energy for like two, three weeks, you know? It's yeah. See, I up. have, like I started taking Kratom cause when I had my daughter, she was a C-section oh, and they, yeah. And they gave me Vicodin for like six months. Because it took really? me six months. She was nine pounds, and I, well, oh, oh my god. god, just like, getting her out of me was like the worst thing ever. With the yeah. best result, I could but, only imagine. Yeah, it was like the worst experience with the greatest ending. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like I ended up, you know, getting unintentionally hooked on the Vicodin, and that's yeah. how I ended up taking the kratom so that I could get off of it without being sick. And, and like, it worked good, huh? It was a miracle. Yeah, it was like yeah. a miracle. If it wasn't for that, like, I probably would have gotten so much worse. Yeah. I mean, um, there are times I was strung out. I was, like, not going to fucking stop using until I found something to help me wean off. And that's helped me so many fucking times get off heroin, you know, and get my life together. I mean, I fucked up and I've had some relapses here and there, but... Um, at least it gave me enough time to, like, figure my shit out and finally get, you know like take like, you know, 12 steps and recovery actually serious and actually give it a try without like the courts, like forcing me to do something, you know, because I mean, most people take drug court here because they want to get out of jail and go back to using and they don't realize how fucked drug court is. I remember when I was about to get out of jail and they're like, Oh, you took drug court. No, that was so dumb. You shouldn't have taken that. And I almost did not graduate. Like to this day, I have, I'm just still in amazement that I graduated that program. Like we started with like 50 people and I think maybe 14 of us graduated out of that session. Yeah. So like, and, and, um, you know, it was fucked. Like, uh, I just, it was like mind boggling. I was like, how are, how is this fucking program getting funded? If you guys have such a huge dropout rate, like, I don't understand why drug court is even a thing here with how unsuccessful it is, you know? Um, See, I so- never did NA or anything like that. Like, I did NA when I was in rehab in the halfway house because they forced me to. 
But I always found NA as like a cop out. Like if I like right now, like I've all I got to do is go and find the weakest link and then bam, I got a new hookup. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can sniff out fucking, you can sniff out a connect easily if you want to, you know? Yeah. And I was always the type of person that like, like, especially with the borderline personality, like I like to manipulate, I like to con, I like to like get my way in there, you know? (laughs) So like going to an NA meeting, like that's exactly what I would do. Like I would go and I'm always captain save everybody. So like I'd go and I'd find the weakest person and then the weakest person would be fucked up. And then I'm like, Oh, Hey, well I'm in a weak moment right now. (laughs) And so I just always tried to avoid NA. Well, I mean, I definitely don't think it's the end all be all. Like, um, I don't think it, I think people there's like for you, for example, you, you, you've got nine over nine years without that program. So there's, there's plenty of different ways to, you know, get out of the life, you know, and not every way works for everybody. And I'm definitely like, I mean, I'm still kind of new to the, the whole, like giving the, you know, whole like recovery and NA thing a try. So it's kind of foreign to me still, but, um, I, I do like, there's some aspects I like about it, but there's also some aspects about it that are super preachy, super judgmental, you know, like some people are super on their soapbox and judging others. But meanwhile, they're hooked on Suboxone and they're like in incapable of getting off of it. And so it's like, I don't judge anybody. If you want to find your path and find the way that works for you, then go at it. I'm not going to judge anybody for doing what works for them, you know, but uh, no, I sure. definitely like, if see you the can faults do it, in it. Yeah. If you can do it and that's what saves your ass, then like more power to you. Exactly. As but the thing is like, I also don't judge anyone. Like if someone relapses then I I'm, you know, I'm not going to judge them either. Like, cause I've relapsed in the past too. Like, I'm not going to like look down on anyone for any reason. Like it's like, it's a struggle to get in early when you're fresh in recovery, you know? So it's like, I get it, you know? Um, and I just, I'm always the person that flocks to that person who like relapses or like the chronic relapse or like my buddy in prison. And I'm just like (laughs) the counselor. Like I have an associate's degree in human services with a specialization. Yeah. And it's got a specialization in mental illness and addiction. I'm certified in CBT therapy. I'm a medical assistant too. Oh, that's crazy. I'm ta- I'm trying I'm trying to practice CBT right now cuz I have really bad ADHD and it's been yeah, helping CB- me a lot. Yeah, like CBT is really good. I need DBT like Yeah, dial- the- yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one that's, <laughs> that's- treated for um borderline personality. That's what Amy Dresner was telling me about. Uh, so I yeah, talked to exactly. her. That's yeah. what you're telling me. That's the only thing that's going to save your life, Megan. So like, that's what I'm doing, but I'm third. I certified myself in CBT because DBT is like way more in depth. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. So, like my but therapist it's really, and like, my beneficial. Yeah, it is. But my therapist and my psychiatrist told me that I do all of that and I have these degrees and I like educate myself in my own problems because that's a better way for me to manipulate my treatment. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, so- yeah. So I'm like, okay, so then how is DBT going to help me? And they're like, my psychiatrist is like, well, one, you're not educated in it. And two, you need to fake it till you make it. You need yeah. to go ahead and just put on a smile and like put on, she referred me to Dexter. She like, she compared me oh, to Dexter. Wow. 
And she was like, you know how he, like, he's essentially a serial killer and like has his whole other life, but like to everyone else, he puts on a mask. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So you think I'm a serial killer? And she's like, no, no, no. But you need to be able to master how to put on that mask. So like when you're by yourself, you can do that. Whatever is your serial killer moment or whatever. But like when you are in public, you need to put on your so-called customer service face or your work face or something like you need to practice how to do that. And DBT is going to help you learn to do that. Yeah, definitely. Because the thing is, like, I've dated a lot of girls that had borderline personality disorder, so I got to know about it really well. And it, it seems like to be one of the hardest things to treat because of so many different, like, variables, you know? Um, and sometimes it goes uh, completely misdiagnosed as maybe uh, bipolar or or something else, yeah. you know, they thought I was bipolar since I was 13. So that's why I have the lithium, like, cause mm-hmm. they are so close and they're not a hundred percent sure. So they're basically trying to treat me for both, but the Seroquel and the Klonopin are what's keeping me so sedated because of the rage that comes with all of it. <laughs> Wait, it comes with what the lithium? No, that comes with like the borderline. Oh and stuff yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. One time my fucking ex was like, all she was went shit crazy on me because she'd been up for days and tried to stab me with her fucking hep C needle. Oh my god, it was crazy! Yeah, that was my biggest fear. Like I never shared needles ever. Like not even with my son's father. Like yeah. I would never do that. And my girlfriend who sells the kratom, she had the hep C and she just took that pure pill or whatever. But like oh, her yeah. and her and I met on the street. And like we would get high together and she would be like, oh, do you have a needle? Do you need a needle? And I'd be like, nope, Nope. (laughs) like I will figure it out. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, one time I was cleaning my room and and my ex would like do this weird thing because the smaller uh, rigs, you could like pop off the tip where the needles at and she would Mm -hmm. pop off old needles. And I was like, you know, like. I was like vacuuming my fucking carpet at the time and I was bare, walking around barefoot and I'd stepped on one that she had left on the <gasps> ground. And so oh for the next like 18 months, I had just to get every six months, I'd get a hep C test just to see if I had gotten it. And thank God I didn't get it. Um, somehow I didn't get it. But yeah, it was just like it was crazy. Like um, I, I don't even know how I fucking because I didn't share needles either. I was always like, dude, I'll, you know. I'll fucking, I'm, I wouldn't even bleach her needles. Like I would just like, dude, there's needle exchanges here. You can like, you know, you can get needles, like fresh ones, yeah, like they're, fairly they're easily. What's that? They're here too. You just had to have a card. Oh, you have to have a card, but you could just get one and sign up through them and get the card. Right. Yeah. Like the same people that give out the Narcan that I uh-huh. like, can get it from, like that they're basically like needle exchanges. Yeah, we had a needle exchange here that they would they would give you $10 if you took a hep C test and HIV test. So I would go there to fucking get dope money all the time until the point they're like, yeah, you can't take any more HIV and hep C tests for a while. But they'd also give out Narcan and they do a needle exchange, which it's crazy because like now the farm, some of the pharmacies here are really like some of them are really iffy about selling, you know, uh, needles. But it's like if you think about it, clean needles are going to help like prevent the spread of disease and prevent like the spread of hep C, prevent the spread of fucking HIV, you know? So it's like, why are they so fucking like 
shitty about selling them. If they have the $3.50 to buy a pack, like, let them get it. I mean, it's just so stupid. It makes no sense. But I don't know. Like, and oh my God, in San Francisco. They come in 10 packs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like you could go to Jewel Osco, which is like a regular grocery store and they sell like they sell them individually. But if you go to Walgreens or whatever, you can get a 10 pack. And so are they easier to buy over there? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. They don't like they don't give a shit. They already know what you're buying them for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would I would say, can I get a pack of insulin syringes, please? And I'd pretend like I was diabetic and stuff. But I mean, some people like just give you such a shitty attitude about it. It's like, dude, I have money here. Like what the fuck's the problem, dude? Like, right. I'm, I have money and I'm trying to be safe about being stupid. Like, what is your problem? Exactly. Like, so I don't know. It's, it's just weird, I guess in California, but I mean, what's the alternative? Like, I, like in San Francisco right now, it's fucked up. Like, um, I don't know. Like that city has changed so much over since like, you know, even like five, 10 years ago, you know, when Silicon Valley and all these, they kind of gentrified like all, so much aspects of the city, but then they totally like neglect the homeless population there. And like, now there's this syringes all in the streets in certain parts. Like the tenderloin is fucked up. There's like bums. just like homeless people are just li- literally shitting in the streets. And these people are so PC. They won't even like, like do anything about it. It's like, well, I, I just don't, it just blows my fucking mind. I don't get it, but I don't know. Like, I, yeah, really... here, like here they tore down Cabrini green, which was uh-huh. like the, you know, the famous ghetto projects that everybody yeah. would run through in the eighties and nineties and shit. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. They finally tore, the, tore them down. And, um, like now they've moved them all out to the suburbs and everything. So that's why heroin and cocaine and all that have taken like a really big, like a really bad turn in the suburbs. Cause it used to be just like pretty much in the city. But now that you've taken all of those drug dealers and everybody and you've moved them out to each and every suburbs where all the yuppity white people are now, all their teenagers are like, Ooh, what are you doing? And like, that's why, (laughs) like, that's why, why Sarah, Katie, and Billy are dying, and that's why now everybody is giving a shit about exactly the, the drug problem. Because yeah, it's more of a suburban problem now than just oh, that just stuck in the ghetto. But yeah, it's crazy because it's like like in L.A., they're trying to do the same thing to Skid Row in, in downtown Los Angeles. They're trying to gentrify certain parts of Skid Row, and uh, the, it's like you can't fucking just like make these people disappear dude they're gonna go somewhere so why not just fucking help them out like the skid row in la has been there since the 1930s you know when there was it was mainly alcoholics and stuff and like here they're uh, or and you know it was crazy like um they have these crazy like this crazy like it was like a weird police security task force in hollywood and they would literally take homeless people and basically kidnap them and then take them to like the ghetto and drop them off and get them out of certain parts of LA. Like, Oh, we can't have you in this part of fucking LA. You know, this that's is what they did come. to my son's father, our hometown. Um, really? Like, they yeah. Like our hometown, <laughs> like we live, we grew up in the suburbs uh-huh. and, um, the, our hometown, like caught him sleeping outside, like a restaurant or some shit. And yeah. they literally like picked him up, put him in the car and drove him to the next town over and dropped him off and said, yep. don't come back. 
yeah, it was weird because, yeah, I would see these weird, like, they're almost like undercover dispatch units, but they're not dressed entirely like police, but they were like, they were dressed all weird. But yeah, you'd see them fucking with homeless people. Like, it's illegal to be homeless. So it's like, oh, well, what do you fucking want them to do? Like, I, like, I just, I don't fucking get it. It fucking boggles my mind. So it just like, seems like the more they try to neglect the problem, they're just moving the situation from one area to the other. And it's, it is not doing anything to fuck. And they're going to go right back to Hollywood. Like there's fucking celebrities there that'll tip them $20 instead of like, you know, like other parts of LA, you know, and I knew people that would fly a sign and make more money than me in certain parts of LA than the, my fucking regular nine to five job, you know, it was fucking crazy. You know, I made like, 13, I made 1300 bucks a week and yeah. because they made us calculate it out in rehab oh, and, fuck. um, my sign said traveling broken, ugly. And everybody would come to me and be like, oh, my God, you're not ugly. Why would you say that? And I'd just be like, oh, you know, in my head to be like to get you to stop. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like people don't realize this, but like I didn't realize this at first, too. um, But when I was talking to some of my friends who'd fly a sign, dude, that makes so much more money than they ever would actually realize. You just have to like you know, put yourself out there. But once you get the hustle down and you know how to work people like who are going on freeway exits and stuff, like they made shit tons of money at like over, well over a hundred dollars a day, sometimes like two, $300 a day, you know? Yep. And it was fast money. Like I was really surprised, you know, I had one weirdo that always came to me and he wanted me to, he had like a foot fetish. (laughs) and he like he wanted to take pictures of my feet so i'd be like all right fine 20 bucks or whatever he'd offer and i'd be like okay cool so he'd like (laughs) pictures of my feet and then this one time he hands me a pair of socks and he's like wear these socks don't shower don't wash your feet don't take them out of your shoes like i know you're homeless so i know like that's what you're gonna do like hold them for a whole week and i'll meet you back here on friday and i'll like i'll pay you a hundred dollars for those socks and i was just like okay the fuck that's so weird Yeah, but, people are fucking weird. When you're trying to hustle like that, you encounter some weird ass people. Dude, and sometimes weird they're fetish scary. people, right? I know. I knew this girl who um was also in Ohio and she had this hustle where dudes from all over would order used panties off of her, but she wouldn't even fucking wear them. She'd like get her fucking brothers to wear them and stuff and like have their ass sweat soak it up. And they she would sell them for like a hundred bucks a pop. And these guys were probably like, who knows what the fuck they're doing with them, like wearing them on like a fucking face mask or something, you know? And it's just like, (laughs) little did they know, dude, it's a dude's ass sweat all in there. And they're so bizarre to me. But I was like, fuck, dude, if I could make a hustle that easily when I was like, you know, stuck in my addiction, like, fuck, why not, dude? I was doing way other, like finding ways to like make money. I would like... I would get my computer and crack like QuickBooks Pro and like forge like pay stubs for my dealers so they could get apartments and stuff and make a bunch of dope that way. I did all kinds of fucking shit to make money. It was like not hard, you know, like you get really fucking intuitive when you like, you know, find a good hustle and it's easy money, you know, like especially when you're like on an addiction driving your fucking motivation factor. It's just yeah. fucking crazy. 
Um, yeah, I was always a hustler, though. Like, I always made yeah. sure to, like, never sell my ass, never get into anything crazy like yeah. that. I was a hustler. Like, that Me was too. That. Yeah, like, I found ways to make my money. Like, I never, I, I'm, I always was proud to say, like, I never had to pawn my shit. I never had to fucking steal. Like, oh, I'd steal from grocery stores and stuff, like, steal food. But I never had to steal from, like, you know, my friends and shit. I never had to do shady shit that, like, severed relationships, you know, like... And I was really like outspoken about that because I was like, dude, I'll there's way there's it's plenty of ways to make money out there. Plenty. You'd be fucking surprised, you know. And, um, you know, like, dude, like I knew people that were like webcamming it up and like they never had to, you know, do be in contact with any guy. You know, they'd have like Snapchats and stuff and make shit tons of fucking money. You know, it was crazy. Like there was that girl who was a. What the fuck was her name? She was that Twitch streamer and she would literally like uh like uh stream herself playing games and she got all these fucking kids to like steal their mom's credit cards and every time she got like a $100 donation she would like twerk in front of the camera. It was fucking crazy. She'd make tens of thousands of dollars just for playing video games or like live on Twitch. It was so fucking crazy. Um but like yeah, there's and like with the internet and stuff, there's a million ways to fucking hustle money. Like you don't have to like, like go about making money the old fashioned way or whatever, like, you know, to degrade your morals and stuff, you know, like, yeah, uh, it's so fucked. But, um, okay. So it's about an hour and a half. Um, so I have to fucking go and make some money right now. Actually, I have this dude, there's this jacket at zoomies. I definitely want. And, uh, I got to go make some money right now because uh, I'm I'm about to start orientation. I got this new job at this Sprouts like grocery store that they're opening up here. So oh, nice. I just got a new job as like head of the meat department. So I'm pretty stoked on that. But I have to wait for orientation. So until then, I have like a little side hustle. I've been detailing cars from when I used to work at a car dealership. So I'm going to go make fucking good $80, 100 because I'm addicted to fucking buying clothes now. So... Yeah, right. It moves from one thing to another. Oh, dude, I'm the worst. I just fucking bought a new iPhone and I shouldn't have, but it's so cool. Uh, I almost fucking bought the iPhone 10 because I'm such an elitist. I have to have the best of everything. But I was like, dude, (laughs) that thing is, I was like $1,500 for a phone. I was like, fuck that. I was like, I'll pay half and get the eight plus and do whatever, you know, like fuck it. So, but Thanks for coming on. This was a really good fucking, uh, this is a good fucking episode. Like I like, you know, I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what to expect. Cause I, you know, I just started talking to you, but like you had some really fucking crazy stories. Like, I mean, when you grow up in Chicago, like you're exposed to a lot of shit that most people wouldn't, couldn't like most normies could not imagine like having right. to like ever put themselves in like any of those kind of situations, you know? Even my mother, like, it still blows my mom's mind. And, like, she won't even speak to me anymore. But, like, she just, like, when she started going, she didn't even know what heroin was until I started doing it. And it just blew her mind. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I put my parents through so much hell when I was deep in my addiction. And I kind of blew their mind, too. And, you know, what's crazy is my, like, immediate family, like, my mom, my dad, and my sisters, we were, like, the black sheep of the entire, like, family but i'm the black sheep of the black sheep so i was even like crazier and like 
like putting them through shock and awe. So I've just recently like, thank God I've been like able to like have them not worry so much about me. Cause I'm the youngest of like, like four, like four kids. Like, Oh, I'm, I have three older sisters and I'm the young, I'm the only son and I'm the youngest. And I was just like, with the shit that the scares I put them through, I was like the, even they like being as rebellious as they were, were like taken back by how crazy and wild I was. So I'm really glad I can now say, Oh yeah, you know, I'm like settling down, you know, doing a regular job. You know, it's, it's pretty nice. Like, you know, at the time I would like thrived on chaos, but now yep. it's kind of refreshing to be like, Oh yeah. You know, like I kind of actually am glad I'm not like, having to do all the kinds of crazy shit I used to do, you know? Yeah. My brother's the golden child. So he's always been like the best one. And I've always been the one that like fucks up. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I would, I just taking families and addiction. Cause I'm also going to uh, college and getting my certification in addiction studies. So I've been learning all about, you know, CBT and um, you know, all these different things. And like, yeah, it's crazy how the different children, have different roles they play like someone in the family will be the enablers one other in the family will be like the comedian and like and the other person will be like you know the addict and you know they all have different roles like the golden child you know and it's really weird like how people just fall into like these different roles when there's an addict in the family like it's just so bizarre but anyway um thank you for coming on that was that was really interesting. Is there anything you want to say before you go? Um, just the bleep out. Oh, totally. I'll definitely do the, that in postal. Yeah. That's why that, I never go live. Cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> always like, I can never go live just because I've had people come on and tell really bad incriminating stories. And then even they, they, they don't think about it and they're like, Oh, I don't care. And I'm like, no, you probably, want to wait for statute of limitations to fucking clear on that one. (laughs) As, you know, as interesting and, and, you know, as entertaining as it was probably like, yeah. So I usually do a lot more editing and posts than, than this episode. So just doing that is, that's easy. So, um, and, uh, yeah, I'll definitely go back after I export this, chop that out. So, but, um, thank you again. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Stay in touch and I'll definitely, um, I'll send you a link as you know as soon as it's up. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, all right, awesome. Well, it was good talking to you, and um, yeah, have a good one. Take care. Hey, thanks you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Bye. Oh, hey, all right, you guys. Um, wow. Well, I'm glad I got this episode up. Shit, man, I've been so, dealing with so much bullshit, but Megan. I know I promised to have this up days ago, so my apologies. That's very unprofessional of me, but um, I'll shoot you a message and explain my situation and whatnot. I got to do another one right now, about to record, and I'm about to just do a bunch of shit, so I got to get out of here ASAP. I love you guys. Stay safe, stay strong. They found me. I was Peace, humble. love, all the above. Until I became a giant like Matumbo. Now they're crying like Rapunzel. While I'm piecing up the puzzle, now I'm climbing up the ladder like a monkey. Monkey, monkey. Monkey see, monkey do. All these crying rappers want to be in the crew. Models coming up to me like my boo. Three at the same time like I do, I do, I do. Back.
to the basics Started from rapping in basements to a spaceship Now I'm just laughing in faces From vacation, the cash that I'm stacking is crashing the matrix It's actually dangerous for Mac to get famous You stay underground, barely cracking the pavement Every time you drop a track, that's not amazing Struggle, struggle Yeah, that's entertaining Well, I have fans screaming out your next Throw sex with your girlfriends like a vortex Both breasts on my tick, trying to drive the Corvette Crash into the porch steps, okay, don't stress It's easy, same guy, more flex More money in the bank, more high, poor sketch I don't owe nobody nothing except my own friends Put the ting to your chin like a violin